for what he he wants to do and and no doubt I messaged that and probably everybody thought about different things I probably preach and and everything but I I've been wrestling as we look at our youth and, and as we you know look at the different ones that come in and and as I've been in different things I've been helped with the Bible release time. Um, in Elk Valley, went over to White Oak and helped with them and saw a very similar situation to what we see in Elk Valley as, as talked to some of the youth there and, and got to go up and help in a Jellico ministry and a homeless ministry there and got to see different families and hear different stories about you know what people were going through, what they'd faced and, and get to talk to some of the ones that had been working in it and, and what they'd seen as they had come through during their time up there. And, and I began to, to see this mentality, right, this thing going on and, and, you, and, and, and as I began to pray and, and we've been wrestling with this idea wrestling with this idea for 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 months now probably at least at least five or six weeks probably longer than that going on a couple months and it's been on our heart and weighing heavy and i this morning i want us to talk about parenting in god's way and you might think well that's not what i expected but as we begin to expound upon what god has given us i pray that you will understand why this is such a meaningful topic in our world and in our society Today, Amen. I wrestled with this idea because of several different reasons. I thought, man, a lot of people might think, well, you don't have any business telling me how to parent my kids, right? They might say, well, you've just got a two-year-old. You don't know what's what's going on yet, right? I mean, two-year-olds are crazy, but there's a lot that I'm going to face in the next coming years, right? Some people might say, well, the church don't need to tell me what to do with my family. You might have a have a point there. Others might, you know, go on and they might say, well, you know, I don't need to hear about parenting. I've got it figured out. But I want you to understand, I'm not telling you what I think I, what you should do in parenting. And I'm not going to tell you what I do in parenting. Because guess what? I'm a broken parent. And I make mistakes. And I come up short. And I'm not the parent that God always wants to me. And I'm not always the parent that Harper needs me to be. Right? I fail and I come short. But I'm coming today because it's not because I have words to say, but because the Bible has words to say. Amen. And not because that I think that something needs to happen, but because the, we look at the community and God says there's stuff that needs to happen, that needs to change in our community so that the church can prevail. Right? Yeah. And I, I love each and every one of you, but some of you got a lot of white hairs in that head. Amen. Some of you aren't doing as good as you were now as when I first came along a couple of years ago. We've seen many pass away. So if we want the church to prevail, a lot of times the big important and what we want to emphasize is it starts with parenting. Right. But I wrestled with this. I was like, man, people, there's things you don't talk about with people. You don't in sermons and stuff. We talked about before. I said you don't talk about money. In, in church, that's a that's a that's a sometimes a, a hot topic when you bring it up in a sermon. Um, and then another one is you don't talk about people's kids. You don't talk about parenting. You don't talk about life as a parent and what that looks like because everybody's got. If you ask ten people about their opinion their opinion about parenting, you're going to get ten different opinions on parenting. But I want to give you the opinion of the Word of God. Man, not my opinion, because as we've studied and then we go through this, there's things I don't meet with this, right? There's things I don't live out in this. There's things that, that, that I just don't align with this that I need to make changes in, right? If I want my daughter to become who God wants her to be. But I just wrestled with this. Now, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't going to preach it. I had other thoughts for this uh, morning and was going in a different direction. But Friday, like I said, I went up to Jellicoe and helped in that food, uh, that, that uh, homeless ministry up there and that outreach and and came up here and we did a we did food pantry and everything and then we met with the deacons and stuff after that so it was late when i was actually leaving and i was worn out and i was tired and i was emotionally and spiritually drained from a day of ministry and i was just gonna just uh put a podcast on and just listen to something about sports or something silly and stupid or, or listen to an audiobook or something just to kind of chill and relax and go home and go to bed 
And I went to uh, to turn something on, and, and I, I audibly heard. And you might think it's crazy, it don't happen, but I audibly heard God say, "No, listen, just listen." And I began to drive up the mountain just wrestling with this. And he put the scripture that we're going to read here in just a moment on my heart. And I was like, I can't go there, God. You know, we've had this conversation. We've talked about this. Don't feel like it's the right time. Don't know if I can do it right. Don't know if I can do it justice. I'm afraid I'll mess it up. I'm afraid I'll do this, do that. And it's just scripture. Just kept on coming to my heart and coming to my heart. I was like, God, I just don't know what you want me to do. And I was like, well, we'll just we'll just see. And then we kept on going. Go, went up to Hardee's and got me a little, I think they call it a star pal, right? Got a little cheeseburger. And they parked me over a cheeseburger. I was like, what in the world? It's a cheeseburger. You're Hardee's. You should have cheeseburgers falling out the window when you open it up. Why are you parking me over a cheeseburger? I was like, oh, my God. So I pulled over to the side, and I was just like, man, why they parked me? What's going on? And I was wrestling with this, and I just I hit the radio, and I listened to 106.7 uh, when I'm in there. And, and the first thing, the first thing that comes on is a quote um, that Skip Heitzig, as he was teaching there, on parenting. And I was like, God, is this really where you want me to go? And... If you understand me and how I approach ministry, that's not how every sermon comes about, right? My sermons just come from studying, just praying, talking to God, getting in quiet time. I don't hear God just audibly speak anything, right, a lot of times, right? We talked about that in Sunday school. But it was clear as day, stop and just listen. And as we began to listen, we began to pay attention to what God had for us and get, give way and stop wrestling with it and give way for God to let His Holy Spirit speak into what He wanted. He began to make very clear what it was that he desired for us this morning. That is this idea of parenting God's way. Man. So if you turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, very familiar scripture. We'll read this. We'll read some other places throughout, throughout scripture and won't bring them up and whatnot. We'll start here. And this is the verses we were traveling up the mountain that I just wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with about really where, what, it, what he wanted, what he wanted for us this morning. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 reads like this. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. You ever heard that one before? Yeah. You probably all heard it before, right? But it's great wisdom that God gave to Solomon, and Solomon shared with his children. She writes in the book of Proverbs, and that's been passed down from ages to ages to ages to us here today. And, and as we read, read it, we oftentimes we read it, and it's a verse that we know, and we've talked about that before. There's many verses that we just know, but sometimes we really don't stop and think about it. We don't think about what that verse means. But I want us to really think about what it means to train up a child in the way he should go. But first, I want to, I want to talk about your job description as a parent. Throughout the rest of this sermon, I want to say parent a lot just for simplicity. But if you have any influential part in your life where you have, where you have impact on a child, this, this comes to you, right? If you're around a niece or a nephew, you're an aunt or an uncle, you're a grandparent, you might be saying, I'm done with my parenting. I'm long gone from it. You've got children in your life, children in your community. This, this, take, this pertains to them, right? You be, might be single and say, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have kids. You're going to have kids come around in your life. This pertains to you. You might be a young person. You mean like, why in the world am I listening about parenting today? There's a good chance that most of you will be parents one day. And even if you aren't, you'll be around young people. You might have brothers. You might have sisters. As an older brother or an older sister, you can learn a lot about how you should lead your little brother and sister by what we're talking about here today or your nieces or your nephews or whoever else might come along in your life. But you might say, this don't pertain to me. There is a place and an avenue that this has a priority and you need to listen to it and you need to apply it to your life 
Because we all come across young people almost every single day. And this is what God says how we should handle and deal with those relationships. So what is the job description? What does it mean to be a parent? To have influence over a, a young person? Is, is it to make sure that they grow up and to have a, a great career? Is it to make sure they have the best grades? Is it to... Um, to make sure they have all the finest things and to set them up for success? Is it to make sure that they excel in sports or excel in some hobby? Is it to make sure that they have a better life than you had? Some of those might sound good, but the answer and the reality is, according to the Bible, no. None of those should be the main priority or the job description of parents or people that have a position over children. It's not what God desires for us to put before anything else. What He desires is for us to make sure that we raise up children, raise up young people, influence them that are committed followers of Christ. Now we do everything we can to influence them and to encourage them and to help them along the path where they get to a place where they become a committed follower of Christ. I'm not just saying a halfway follower of Christ. We need to raise children that are committed to faithfully following Jesus Christ in every action, every word, every deed, and every season of life. And that is our job. If God has placed any young person in your circle, in your area of influence, that is your responsibility. God-given from the divine hand of God, that is what we should be prioritizing is to see that happen in their young people's lives. When we go out to youth, when I approach it, that's my desire. I just don't want them to have a good time. I hope they do. I just don't want them to have fun. I hope they do. But I want them to become committed followers of Jesus Christ, the Savior and the Creator of the world. And if we have young people in our life that we don't care that about, then we're viewing that relationship in the wrong way. Sometimes we might have young people in our life, well, they're just, they're just a young person that we... Sometimes we view it as a bad thing. It's a responsibility. It's a heartache. Sometimes we might just view it as a fun thing. Oh, it's fun to have young people in our life, to see them play, to see them have good things. Those are great. But that is not the main priority. It's to see them commit to following Jesus Christ. Amen. And if we as a church... And as we as an individual do not approach the relationship with young people in our lives, as our children, as our grandchildren, niece and nephews, people we don't know, kids in the store, whatever it may be, if we don't approach it in that manner, we're approaching it in the wrong way. Because our desire, as we talked about last week, what's your desire? Our desire should be to see young people, all people saved, but young people be saved. See our children be saved. The reality is, we, a lot of times we focus on our kids. And we want to see our kids saved. But guess what? There's a lot of kids that don't have anybody in their life that wants to see them be saved. There's a lot of people in our community that doesn't have a parent or a grandparent or anybody, a teacher or anything that says, I want to see you go to heaven. So we need to have that job description that we want to see them go to heaven. Because they might not have anybody ever come around. They might not have anybody ever darken the door. They might not have anybody ever pay any kind of attention that wants to see them know Jesus and follow Him. But we should. We should. That is our job. Not just as parents, but as Christians to desire to see the young people in our circles be saved. 
right? So the job isn't to make sure they have a good time. The job isn't to make sure that they have all that they want. The job isn't to make sure that they have a great future and a great career and everything's lined up for them out there. The job isn't to make sure they get their degree. The job isn't any of those things. The job is to see them commit to following Jesus. Amen. Commit to following Jesus. How do we do that? We tell them what's right. When you talk with young people, what dominates your conversations? When you talk with your children, what dominates your conversations? When you ask your kids, say, what do we talk about most? What would they they say? And I went and asked each and every one of you that had grandkids or kids or people that you're around. I said, I said, what does so-and-so, what do you all talk about the most? What would their answer be? Would it be Jesus? Does Jesus take up a large portion of the words that you share with your child? Of the words that you share with the young people in your life? Is it Jesus? Or do the majority of our conversations circle around other things? Other priorities? Other influences? Other things that we have that are significant in our lives? So we say, this is what we're going to talk about because this is important. If you raise up a child and you never talk about Jesus, guess what? They're not going to think Jesus is important to talk about. If you never bring up His name, then why are they going to call out to it when they need Him? If you never say that He's my Savior, why are they going to call out to Him to be their Savior? If He never comes across your lips, if they never see His words written and read in our life and how we live, then why are they going to apply to theirs? What dominates your conversations with your children? What dominates what you talk about? Is it things of life? Is it things that's going on in the news? Is it things that's going on in the day to day? There's a place and time for all that. But the words that Jesus spoke, the words of Scripture, the word that He puts in our heart, His name should be frequent and often in our conversations. And if not, then on many levels we are failing the youth in our lives. We are failing the youth in our lives. What we talk about, we, we need to tell them about. Sin. Let me give you an illustration. This happened Friday night too. And it's like God was like, I'm going to write your sermon for you, buddy, okay? I get home and taking care of Harper and, and everything. They were getting ready for bed when I came in. And, and uh, you know, one of us comes in from wherever we're at. She gets all hopped and whatnot. She goes goes to climbing up on. She loves monkeys. Curious George right now. She thinks she's a monkey, right? If you talk to her too long, she's going to say, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, and go crazy. Try to climb something. That's what she was doing. She tried to climb up on the couch. We told her, we told her, we told her, we told her, we told her. Don't climb on top of the couch. Don't climb on top of the couch. She started climbing up there, and I sat there. I said, you don't need to climb up there. I said, you're going to fall off. I said, you're going to get hurt. I said, don't climb up there. And she stares me in the eyes as she climbs the couch. Saying, monkey, monkey. She gets up on top. She tries to straddle it. I don't know if she thinks it's a horse or what she's doing. She tries to straddle it. And she's straddling it. Looked at me so victorious. And then here she goes. And she just falls off the back of the couch. Right? She starts screaming. Oh! She makes a big way. What has happened? We get her and we love her. We're compassionate to her. She comes down a little bit. And what does she do? She points at the couch. And says, do you see what that did to me? I laughed at her. 
I did. I said, that couch didn't do nothing to you. I said, you made a choice. And there was consequences. And there was consequences. We need to tell our children about sin. Yeah. That's what I tried to do. Don't climb the couch. There's rules. There's things that we as Christians, as humanity, if we are to be obedient to God, and then once become Christians, we should be obedient to the rules that He has left. What does the Bible say? He says, if you love me, you will do whatsoever it is that I have commanded you. I said, don't climb the couch. She climbed the couch. She, in essence, did what all of us do and what all of our children do. She sinned. She was disobedient. We are disobedient. And we need to make sure our children understand that God Himself has divined and given us a path to walk upon, a road to follow, a way to go. And that when we get out of that, then we are in sin. That we can each and every one, no matter how great or how lowly, where we come from, how we live our life, whatever we've been through, can and will sin. We need to talk about sin. Tell our children about sin. Tell our young people about sin. But we don't just need to talk about sin. We need to talk about the consequences of sin. Amen? That's what I told Harper. I said, that couch didn't do one thing for you, to you. I was like, it didn't do anything. It didn't buck you. It didn't shake. It didn't shimmy. It didn't shiver. It didn't move this way and that. It just sat there and there was consequences for your choice. Because there are consequences for our, our sin. It's like mommy and daddy were the ones that chose to put it there. It's not their fault. So-and-so built the house with a wall there and that's where we decided to put it. It's not their fault. Somebody built the couch at that angle with that kind of design. It's not their fault. It was your fault and the consequences of your choice that brought the pain and that brought the suffering and that brought the sorrow and that brought the hurt. And we need to talk to our children about the consequences of sin. We can tell our children all about sin, right? I can tell Harper that there's bad things for her to do and she don't need to do it. And I can tell each and every young person I come across that there's sin and they don't need to sin. But if they never understand that there's consequences for it, why will they desire not to do it? If there's no reason not to do it, guess what? We're still going to do it. If I could eat anything and everything I wanted and I never gained a pound, and I never got any plaque built up in my heart, and I never had any high blood pressure or high sugar or high this and that, guess what? I would I could eat anything and everything I wanted. And I had to worry about it. You could tell me it's bad for me, but if there's no consequences for it, then guess what? Why is it that so many people wait till they have a heart attack before they change the way they live? Because until there's a consequence, then they're not going to change. And we have to make sure our children understand that there is a consequence. We want to protect them from it. I don't want Har- I didn't want Harper to get hurt. I didn't push her. But she had to understand and make choices. And there's consequences for our choices. That's right. Amen. And we need to talk to, about our, talk to our children about that. And we need to talk to young people about that. Why do people go and they do all these things? Same reason that Eve took of the fruit. Because Satan took away the consequence. Jesus said, surely you will die. Or God said, surely you will die. Satan said, surely you won't die. 
The world will have our children convinced that there's no consequence for the life that they live and the choices that they make. We have to make sure they understand that is not true. That there are consequences for the life they live and the choices that they make. So we talk about sin. We talk about the consequences of sin. But we need to talk about Jesus as well. We don't just need to be all doom and gloom. We need to talk about the hope that there is in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Tell them that yes, there's sin. And yes, there's consequences of sin. But there's a hope to escape all that. And His name is Jesus Christ. His name is the Lord and Savior. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Healer, lover, friend, brother. He's everything that we need and everything that we could ever hope for. And He is the Savior of the world. There is sin and there is consequences of sin. But He is the alleviation of that. He is that which makes the sin and makes the consequences and he, he, He's the one that makes those things become less than so that we can be escaped from those things. So we need to talk about Jesus. Listen, I love talking about Jesus. And I love telling young people about Jesus. But guess what? If you're not talking about Jesus in your home, they're not going to listen to me as much as they're going to listen to you. If I'm the only one that they hear Jesus' name proclaimed from, if this is the only place... That Jesus has talked about to your children. Guess what? There's going to come a day that they're not going to come into this place. And who's going to talk to them about Jesus then? Who's going to talk to them about Jesus then? There's going to come a day where, where things might happen and they might go off and they might join this or do that or go to this school or go to this place, take this job, be millwright, be traveling all the time, do this, that, and the other, and they don't hear the name of Jesus from the pulpit like they used to. Who's going to talk to them about Jesus then? Tell them what's right. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about salvation. Tell them about repentance. Tell them that we should be we should be ashamed of our sins, but that God came to take away the shame and to make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Tell them there's a way to escape those things, that we can have salvation through the Lord if we ask repentance of our sins. Tell them about salvation and repentance. Tell them what it means. Tell them what it looks like to follow in the footsteps of Jesus day in and day out. We need to tell them about what's right. Tell them about what's right. Romans 6.23 illustrates the consequences. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Scripture very clear that there are consequences for sin. But if they never pick up a Bible, would they know that by what you tell them? If they never went to church, would they know that by the way you talk to them, by the things that you teach them, what you instill within them? We need to tell them what is right. We need to tell them what is right. We can tell them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, but it's a whole lot better if we show them what is right. We show them what is right. The scripture that we read, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Easter, we preached about the way. The way to heaven. Following Jesus is the only way. But let's be honest. If I'm not in the way, how can I teach somebody else the way? If I'm not following Jesus, how can I teach somebody else to follow Jesus? If I'm not living the life I should, how can I teach somebody else how to live the life they should? If I as a parent, as I as an adult, am around a bunch of kids and they don't see me doing it, if I don't see me living it out, how are they going to know to do it? It's time to show them what is right? 
You can sit me down at Oak Ridge in front of some of those machines, and I think they call it a, a hadron collider or something like that, where they take the two atoms and they just throw them at each other and do crazy, all kinds of crazy stuff. And you can sit me down, they say, run this thing. Or they sit me down even better. Say, train this new guy how to do that. Guess what? I don't know how to do that. So I couldn't train him how to do that, and I'd probably blow up Oak Ridge, right? And blow us up too. That's why they put us in this bowl, right? So we'd all just stay in here if something bad happens. I couldn't train somebody in something that I don't know. If you don't are actively walking and following Jesus in your day-to-day life, how are you going to train the young people in your life to do that as well? Amen. That's the Bible says when the blind leads the blind, what happens? They all fall in a ditch. And that's the result that we see in the world now is there a bunch of families and a bunch of parents and people and individuals that are trying to raise kids that don't know what to do and don't know how to do it and they don't go to Scripture for it, they don't call out to God for it, and they just lead them in one way and then the kid leads their kids and the kid leads their kids because nobody told them and showed them how to train up a child in the way it should go. And they didn't do it. They don't know how to do it. They didn't see it done. So how would they know how to do it? We've got to show them what is is right. We have too many parents that are going about raising their kids with this mentality of do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. And I've been that, right? Yeah. I mean, honest, I've been that. We got a lot of times though. We'll we'll say things to our kids and we'll say like, "Be kind." I mean, we're always talking bad about people. Be patient. But they always see us just make knee-jerk reactions, don't they? Well, we'll say things like, be forgiven. But they always see us holding grudges. Amen. Follow Jesus. But they never see us make him a priority. And we say, do what I say, not what I do. We need to show them what is right. By the life that we live in. Another way that we fail showing children what's right is by being inconsistent. Inconsistency is the killer of good intentions. There's a lot of parents that they'll say, do what I say, not what I do. There's a lot of parents that'll say and teach them some good things sometimes, but they're inconsistent with it. And the best of intentions can overcome inconsistency when it comes to raising a child to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Because every time inconsistency rears up in our lives, the enemy takes advantage of that. What does inconsistency look like as parents? Inconsistency is having different expectations from day to day. Of our children. Inconsistency is having different expectations from person to person. Inconsistency is living inconsistent from day to day in our own lives. And none of those things we see modeled in Christ's life. This is what we see from Christ. Hebrews 13 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's that mean? What He expected of me yesterday is what He expects of me today. And what He'll expect of me tomorrow. And we should have that same relationship with our children. Right? Acts 10, 34 says, And then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Another interpretation, another uh, one version says, uh, I see no respecter of persons. Right. So that means what I expect of one child, I should expect of another child. What should I expect of the children outside of my home? I should expect of the children inside my home. And vice versa, right? That he is no respecter of person, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Do our children see that modeled in us? Do they? 
Do, do our children see the same person yesterday, today, and forever? I understand. we got bad days. Sometimes we get in a mood and we get in a funk. I get that. But when they look at the overarching thing, in mathematics, there's a thing called the bell, right? And that means that sometimes it might deviate a little bit, but it stays pretty close to this bell, right? It's not up here and down here. There's, and in some of our lives, that's what we are. We're up here and we're down here and we're all over the place and there's no kind of consistency. You can look at it this way and that way and turn the graph of your life all over the place and you can't see no kind of line. You can't see no kind of bell. But in our lives, there should be some kind of consistency in the way we live. Bad days, yeah, that's accounted for. But there should be some kind of consistency in what we present to our children and how we raise them and what we teach them and what we tell them. And what we show them day in and day out. Do our children, do the young people in our life, see this modeled? Or is this nowhere near describe what their life at home looks like? Nowhere near describe the character of the life that you live in front of them. This is how Jesus lived before his disciples and everyone he came in contact with. This is how we should seek to live our lives. Amen. To be as close to consistent in our day-to-day walks and how we present ourselves to our children. And to show no partiality between children inside the house, outside the house, wherever we come across them. That we show them and have the same expectations and show them the same love across the board. But inconsistency is something that permeates our society. We live in a society that is based off of trends. Whatever's trending now is what's big and what's important, how people are going to make decisions, right? There's some people that they'd get the most trendy phone, and if Apple said they were going to make a new one tomorrow, guess what? They'd buy a new one tomorrow. There's no consistency in our lives. We need to be consistent. Show our children a consistent walk with God. See somebody that is consistently praying and talking to Jesus. See somebody that is consistently prioritizing their walk with Him. See somebody who is consistently going to church and talking about Jesus and sharing the love of God and being in the hands and feet of Jesus to see that consistency so that when the time comes and things, hard times hit and bad times come around because they're all going to come, your kid's going to face them. No kid is more better or more special than the other one. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Every kid that we come across is going to have bad times. And what they see at home and from the adults in their life is what they're going to do. They're going to say, when mommy had a bad time, when daddy had a bad time, when grandpa or grandma or uncle or aunt or whoever it was, deacon, pastor, had a bad time, he did this. So I'll do that too. What do they see you doing? What do they see you doing? Things you might not think they see. They see. The things they you might not think they know, they know. Amen. The things you might think they're oblivious of or that they'll just ride over or forget about, a lot of times are the things that stick for a long time. What do they see in the life that you are living? Are you showing them what is right? Are you showing them what is right? Something I try to do, but I fail a lot in doing. It's whenever I get frustrated or or maybe I, I get upset at Harper or get upset at Tara or something happens and, I, you know, and I, I sin, is I don't just go and talk to God about it. I make sure Harper 
sees me. Seek forgiveness from her or her mother or if it's something else, sees me seek forgiveness from God because I want her to see that modeled in her life. And just not be, Daddy went way angry and he just came back in a better place. I want her to know it's through talking to God that that happens. It's through humbling myself that that happens. That she sees this model of a Christian man in her life so she can know the life that she should live as she grows older. So that she could hopefully become the woman that God desires you to be. Children can do better than what they see in the homes. I'm not saying that. Um, They might be raised around something and they rise up from all the negative and overcome it. That's not impossible. I'm sure there's several of you in this room that have done something similar. But you talk to any child that was raised in a home that was full of pain and full of suffering, full of negativity, full of hurt, full of sinfulness, that rose above it, they're going to tell you it wasn't easy. And it didn't happen overnight. Because they they didn't get a foundation to start out on. They had to tear it all down and build a whole new foundation by using the, the rock that the builders rejected that the Bible tells us about. They had to start over. But let us help our children start out on the right foot by showing them what a good foundation of a follower of Christ looks like so that they don't have to tear it all down to the ground and start over. So they don't have to spend the first 10, 15 years of their life dealing with all the issues that we left them with, dealing with all the problems that we left them with, dealing with the sin that we passed on to them, dealing with the bad habits that we passed on to them, dealing with the bad characteristics that we passed on to them. Let's start them off right by showing them what right looks like in the way that we live our life. Too many kids start off having to tear it all down Because when they meet Jesus, it's like, all that stuff mommy and daddy left me, I can't use that. All that stuff they showed me, I can't use that. Because that don't take me to Jesus. That don't lead me closer to Him. That don't make me a better person. That don't make me a better Christian. i got to tear it all down. Let's leave them something to build on instead of leaving something they just have to tear down. When they leave our home when they go off to college or school or go off on the road to work or go off and start their own families, let's leave them something to build on. But if we want to faithfully accomplish our job as parents or people that have influence over children, we have to tell them what's right, we have to show them what's right, but we have to understand there's repercussions. There's repercussions when we, when we don't. 1 Samuel chapter 3 Verses 11 through 14. It says this. It says, In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile. And he did not restrain them. And he did not Strain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. You know, like, well, who was Eli? Eli must have been an awful man. Eli must have been far from God. He must have been some kind of outcast. He must have been somebody who didn't love the Lord. 
He must have been somebody who didn't have anything to do with the church. Eli was the priest of God. And this is what God saw in his family and what God saw in his home. The Bible tells us that his sons would go and take advantage of the women that would come to the temple. That his sons would take the best of the offering and leave the worst for God. And God said, Nuh-uh, Eli. You knew how you were supposed to raise your children. You knew what to teach them. You knew the life you were supposed to show them. And yet you failed to restrain them. What happens when we fail? When we fail and we come short and we do not live a faithful and committed life for God in front of our children, at best, we set them up for a lifetime of dysfunction and confusion. And at worst, they end up with eternity in hell. That's the reality. No corners cut. No punches pulled. That's the reality. At best, they're going to have problems and issues that they deal with in their relationships, in their life as they try to live and figure out what is right, figure out what to do. That's the best case. If we fail to live a life that is faithfully committed to Christ in front of them, in the worst case, it's punishment and damnation to hell. You want the reality of it? That's the reality of it. That's what the Bible tells us. That's, that's what we're told. Amen. And if we were to believe any of this, we have to believe all of it. And that's part of it. Yeah. That's part of it. Right, we don't understand why Eli failed to restrain his youngest. I read through that since Friday. From chapter 2 to about chapter 4 of 1 Samuel. kind of encompasses the whole story. There, we see later on that, that his two sons die, and when, when Eli gets news of it, he falls out of his bed and breaks his neck and dies too. And that's the end of Eli's story. Samuel takes over the priesthood after that. We don't ever get any indication of why Eli failed to restrain his hands, failed to lead them in the Lord, failed to help them see what was right and what was wrong. But maybe maybe some of the things that we see, maybe he didn't want to, maybe he had a bad father. And he's afraid that he'd be too much like his father if he tried to make them do certain things. Maybe he didn't want to be too harsh. Maybe he was afraid he'd be too harsh. She was just letting them do whatever, whatever they wanted to. Maybe he, he thought, well, they deserve it. They have a hard life. They've got things going on. They deserve to do whatever they, they want to. I don't want to upset them. I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't want them to grow up to hate me. I don't want them to be angry with me. We don't know, but maybe some of those things begin to cross through Eli's mind as he was raising his young ones and began to see them stray and, and see them do the simple things that they were doing. And he was like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? The, the devil will provide every hindrance and excuse to parents for them to parent any other way besides the way that God wants them to. We will come up with reasons as to why doing what we're doing is okay. We'll say, well, I know what's best for them right now. If it's not what God wants, then you don't know what's best for them. Or I know what's best for their future. If it doesn't align with what God wants, then you don't know what's best for their future. 
We will come with reasons and excuses and beliefs and will convince ourselves that the, it's okay that we're not leading them this way. It's okay that we're not telling about Jesus. It's okay that we're not prioritizing these things. It'll happen eventually. It'll turn around someday. They'll come to the right place eventually. But guess what? Some don't. Some don't. Some listen to what you told them and recognize that you never mentioned Jesus and they grow up and they never stop believing that Jesus wasn't important. And they never know God. And they never find Him. They never seek Him out. They're chasing after those things that you taught them were important, that you showed them were important, that you prioritized in life. And they never turn to God. If what you're doing and if how you're leading your children and the children in your life is not showing them how to follow Christ, if it's not helping to eliminate the sin in their lives, if it's not teaching them the truth of Scripture, if it's not preparing them to lead lives as effective, faithful Christians as adults, it is not the best best path to lead them down. If the way that you're raising your children is any of those things, the Bible does not support it. And God does not support it. And you can make every excuse to why it's okay and why it's fine, and that's your choice. But don't ever say the Bible told me to raise my kids this way. The Bible's very clear. The Bible's very, very clear. In closing, I, I want to make this understood. That a child can be raised in a spiritual upbringing, and these things can be done, and ultimately can still choose to not follow God. That's reality. It's sad reality, right? We all know somebody who was raised right. And from all accounts and, and witnesses, everything was done in a Christian and godly way. That never might have had a moment as a young person that they had some desire. May have come to the altar, but they never really received God in their life. They might have knew how to talk churchy stuff and do churchy stuff. But when they got older, they hit the road. They never turned back. They didn't receive what I received. Right? But that can happen. But just because our young people have free will doesn't mean we shouldn't even try. If that was true, then we shouldn't tell anybody about Jesus. But the fact that they have free will and that they can make the choice to completely scorn what we teach them should mean that every day we should put our best foot forward. Every day. We should bring Jesus up when we talk to them. Ask them about how they're living their life. Ask them how close they feel. Ask them if they've been talking to Jesus today. Have you prayed to Jesus today? Ask them if they're following in His footsteps today. Have you read your Bible today? Make it a part of their daily life. And then show it to them. Live it out in front of them. Sit them down and read the Bible to them. Let them know this is what we do here. If you do nothing else, teach them about Jesus. If you die tomorrow and you leave them with nothing else, leave them knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through and by me. Leave them with that. Don't leave them with all the accolades and all the awards. That stuff will go and end up in some goodwill or yard sale someplace. Leave them with the truth of who Jesus is. And understanding that that is more important than anything else. I told you that Skip Hotzik 
I turned it on, radio on, and um, this is what came on, right? Wrestling with, wrestling with the scripture, wrestling with, with parenting. And I, thought, I said, I've been doing it for weeks. I, and I, I say, Lord, we'll do it another time. I said, Lord, we'll we'll hit that around Mother's Day and Father's Day. We'll just do a whole thing on parenting. We'll we'll, we'll just pull it out for, for a couple of weeks. And I said, Lord, I, I need to study more on this. I need to wait more on this. And just wrestled with it, wrestled with it. I said, Lord, I'm not the right one to talk about this. I'll have somebody come preach. And, or I, I'm, I'm just have a two-year-old. There's people here who have, have you know, children older than I am, right? That have been through this and done all this. Like, I'm not the right one to teach this. I wrestled with it all the way up the mountain. And we get there at Hardy's, and I turn the radio on. This is, this is the quote. I just kind of sealed it for me. And it's like, all right, what we'll do. And I messaged the deacons, and then I messaged the church later, you know, later, and I, I said, you know, basically... This is a God moment, right? I came home and I told Tara, I said, this is a God moment. There ain't no way that I can excuse it or any way I can push this off or say it's something else. I said, this never happens, right? This just never, never happens. Right? This is the quote that he made. He said, if we're seeking what it means biblically to be a parent, he said, a parent is a partner with God in making disciples of your children. He said, lead your children to Christ. Disciple them in Christ. And do it young. A parent is a partner with God. Making disciples of your children. Amen. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I don't want to sound harsh in any way. But don't expect me to lead me to lead your children or your neighbor's children to God if you're not willing to. Because I can't do it alone. I can't. I got one young and Tara's ready for another one. I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. And I look at the youth. It's like, man, can, I, can we lead them all? You can't expect me to lead them if you're not going to. Don't expect me to pray for them if you're not going to. Amen. Don't expect me to cry out to God on my knees and beg for their salvation if you're not willing to. I love your children. And I love the children of this community. But I can't save them. And I can't say Jesus enough for them to make up for the lack of it in your home. And for the lack of it, and they're seeing it in your life that you live, in your home, and around the world, and around the community. I can't do it. And if that's what you expect of me as your pastor, I'm sorry, I'll fail you. I can't do that. But you will make more of a difference in your home and in the lives of the children that you spend most of your life around than I ever can from a pulpit on Sunday. Right. We can have services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and I can preach to them Wednesday and every other night of the week, and we can have a youth revival every quarter, and we can do all this stuff, and if they don't hear it at home, it'd be hard to make up the difference. Because I'm just preacher man up here in the pulpit. You're mommy and daddy. You're aunt and uncle. You're grandpa, grandpa. You're the neighbor next door that invites them over and feeds them when mommy and daddy want themselves. If anybody's going to lead them to God, It'll be you. It'll be you. There are repercussions if we fail to. There are repercussions if we fail to. And we can look at the world that we live in. And we should recognize what those repercussions are.
what those repercussions are. I wrestled with this, like I said, but this is the Word of God. Let it be heard by His children. Amen. And let it be applied.